You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you heading into the weekend. We've got an update on DeMar Hamlin, and it's good news, about as good as news as you can expect. And we finally have some sort of resolution on what's going to happen with the playoff seedings and division titles. NFL came down with it about... 8 o'clock Central Time last night. We will get to that. It'll probably be hard to comprehend if you're just verbally listening to this. So I would listen to it and then maybe go Google it to kind of sink it into your brain. Uh, And then we might talk a little NBA to end things. And we'll get to that momentarily. All right. Let's just start off with what the NFL came out with late last night in regards to what they're going to do about playoff seedings and division titles. Now, the first order of business is they canceled the Bengals-Bills game. It will not be played this year. That is the smart decision. It made no sense. Logistically, I don't know how you fit it in because both of them have games this Sunday and then the playoffs start next Saturday. You can't play that game without literally pushing back all of the playoffs. I know there's an empty week before the Super Bowl, but... On this short of notice, I don't know how you can do that to TV networks and stadiums to have their stuff available. It just makes all the sense in the world. And I think people understand it because this is an unfortunate situation. It was a freak accident and something they've never had to deal with in the history of the NFL. You could say, you know, the player died in 1970. Yes, he did. But playoffs were different back then. It didn't affect seedings as as far as I know. So this is all... A first. So I don't think fans are going to come out and bitch. I don't think players are going to get up on a podium and bitch about, oh, this is unfair or whatever. They're doing what they can given the hand that they were dealt. And as a hand that they were dealt is something that nobody could have ever imagined in a million years because we've never seen a player receive CPR one minute after he gets hit on a football field. It's just, it's incredible. Um, Like I said, I'll be updating on DeMar Hamlin and what doctors have said yesterday about him. Okay, so here's where we're at. Heading into week 18 of this season, the Kansas City Chiefs are 13-3. The Bills are 12-3. And and the Cincinnati Bengals are 11-4. So let's just deal with those three teams right now. Obviously, if the Chiefs win and the Bills win... The Chiefs would be 14-3, and and the Bills would be 13-3. and So the Chiefs would have a better record winning percentage-wise. If the um, Bills win to move to 13-3, and and the Chiefs lose, and they're 13-4, then the Bills would be the number one seed. What I'm saying is, if they both win, Kansas City is going to be given the number one seed and draw a first-round bye. However, we'll get to this momentarily, that doesn't necessarily mean they are hosting the AFC Championship game if they get there. The other battle is in the AFC Central. Cincinnati is 11-4 and and Baltimore is 10-6. and It would be very easy if Cincinnati just went out and won this game because then they're 12-4, and Baltimore's 10-7, and and Cincinnati wins the division and they get the home game in the playoffs. If Baltimore happens to win in Cincinnati this weekend, Baltimore becomes 11 and 6, Cincinnati is 11 and 5, which is still a better record winning percentage even though that will be the second loss to Baltimore this year. So let's start 
with what the NFL put out last night, and they basically said this. You look at this weekend's games. If the Bills and Kansas City have the same exact result, whether they both win or tie or both lose, the bottom line is if we get to an AFC championship game, but it it has to happen with the same result this weekend. If there's a separation, then we already know who's going to be the number one seed and who's not. But if Kansas City wins their game in Las Vegas, I think they play Saturday, and the Bills win their home game Sunday against New England, Kansas City is the number one seed because of a better record winning percentage-wise, even though Buffalo played one less game. But what they're going to do to make up for that is this. If that happens and they go through the playoffs and the Bills and Chiefs end up in the AFC Championship, they are moving that to a neutral site. Same thing involving Cincinnati. If the Bills and the Chiefs have the same exact record, have the same exact result this weekend, whether they both lose or both win, and Baltimore wins, a Buffalo-Kansas City AFC Championship game once the playoffs get rolling, if it ends up those two in the AFC Championship game, again, it will be at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati wins, you know, that was, you know, the last, sorry, the last one was if Baltimore won. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati wins this weekend, highly unlikely, but we're throwing every scenario out there. They have to cover their bases. That means a Kansas City versus Buffalo or Cincinnati in the AFC Championship. If any of those two matchups happen, again, it's going to be moved to a neutral field. And I'm fine with that. I really am. I just think that that's the smartest thing to do. You know, there are, uh, I know people will have other options, and Kansas City fans are going to be pissed that they have to give up, um, you know, home field advantage uh, in the AFC Championship game if they end up having to play Buffalo. But look at it. Look at it this way, Chiefs fans. You've played Buffalo twice at home the last two years. Last year's AFC Championship, yes, you won. And it, you know, uh, yeah, it uh, you won the game, but well, I'm sorry, not the, not the AFC Championship game, the AFC Divisional game. Yes, you won the game, but let's be honest. You pulled it out of your ass. You're down three with 13 seconds left, and Buffalo absolutely choked that game away in the last 13 seconds to force it to overtime. And yes, you won the game in overtime, but we all know Buffalo choked that game away. You don't give up what they gave up in 13 seconds. So you should have lost the divisional game to Buffalo last year, and then you played them at home again in the regular season this year, and you lost. So maybe you should get out of Kansas City when you play Buffalo, and maybe playing them on a neutral field will be better for you because you're 1-1 one one against them the last two years at home in the playoffs, and you probably should be 0-2. But that's neither here nor there. So that's what's going to happen. But it has to be the same result for Balt- uh, keep saying ball. For Buffalo and Kansas City this weekend, a both win and both lose, and but if it's a sit, if it's a split, you know if Kansas City wins this weekend and Buffalo loses, Buffalo is the number two seed. They have nothing to, you know, complain about. Everything's going to go through Kansas City, and they will host the AFC Championship. If Buffalo wins this weekend and Kansas City loses, Buffalo has a better winning percentage because they'll be thirteen and three, and Kansas City will be thirteen and four. So Buffalo will be the one seed, and then everything will go through Buffalo. Uh, assuming they win their divisional game. So the only other thing up is the AFC Central title. 
And like I said, it'd be very easy. If Baltimore wins, they're the AFC Central champs. However, if Baltimore beats Cincinnati on Sunday, that means that while they won't have a better record, they'll be 11 and 6, Cincinnati will be 11 and 5. They'll have beaten Cincinnati twice, but they can't host a playoff game because Cincinnati's going to have a better winning percentage. So, if they win and those two happen to end up meeting in the playoffs in a wild card game against one another, the site for that game is going to be determined by a coin flip. Now, if Cincinnati wins in week 18 or if Baltimore and Cincinnati aren't even scheduled to play one another in the uh, in the wild card round, uh, the game sites are just going to be determined by regular scheduling procedures. I know that's probably very confusing to hear verbally, but when you look at it, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. You just got to know these teams' records, and it's pretty simple. They're just basically going off of win percentage now because they have to because Bills and Cincinnati will have only played 16 games this year and everyone else will have played 17. There's really no other way to do it. I I heard all these different options, and I heard all these different people saying this, and Kansas City should do this, and, you know, it's not fair. And, you know, you know life isn't fair. You know, uh, this is, I, I understand maybe fans being upset, but if you really look at it, you shouldn't be that upset because... This is an extenuating circumstance. It's not like the NFL is just unilaterally deciding to screw teams over. They're doing it because of what happened. And if you can't have empathy for what happened to this guy on the field where he almost died, and we've never seen anything like this before where a guy's getting CPR on the field a minute after he suffers a hit, then I don't know what to tell you. you got to be cool with this. The NFL is doing what they can. They're not trying to screw everybody over. They're trying to do the best possible outcome without changing the whole landscape of the playoffs and moving everything back a week and having different dates and having stadiums have to be available in another week and having TV networks having to push everything back a week. It's just too much of a hassle. This makes the most sense to me, and hopefully it does to you, but I would suggest uh, clicking on a link and maybe reading it to have it sink in a little bit, but um, yeah. I think that's the best way to go. So hopefully you have heard the decision, not the decision, (laughs) still stuck on the uh, playoff scheduling format. Hopefully you saw the hospital and the press conference yesterday for DeMar Hamlin where a few doctors spoke and, you know, there's a few things that came out of it. Number one, DeMar Hamlin is unable to communicate right now through voice, but he can communicate through writing. And the first thing he asked apparently was who won the game, which is really cool that that's what he thought. And the doctor actually answered DeMar, you won, you won the game of life. And then one doctor said, we can't say enough about the quick actions of the bills training staff and the physicians who were on the field, which we're finding out more and more about these people that, Apparently, CPR was performed literally within one minute of that hit happening. And if they would have waited any longer, while they could have saved him, he probably would have had a lot more long-term damage. It's really looking like he's going to get out of this. And, you know, I'm not saying that to – I don't want to jinx anything, but basically everything you're hearing is that because he got attended to so quickly, it doesn't look like there's going to be any 
you know, brain damage. It doesn't look, it looks like everything is functioning normally. He just has to get back to breathing on his own. You know, I don't know if he's going to play football again, but that's the least of anybody concerned at this point. I, but the amount of time that took them to immediately see what was wrong, assess the situation and start performing CPR was almost like record time. And they should be applauded for it. And I think the, I got to believe the Buffalo bills are going to do something this Sunday before the game against new England, um, in honoring, uh, their training staff who did a hell of a job on DeMar. Another doctor said, it's not only that the lights are on, we know that DeMar is home, meaning that it seems like all his faculties are there. He's understanding things. He just can't speak right now. It's very hard. And he still needs help with an oxygen tank breathing, but it seems like we're trending towards he's going to be breathing on his own and release soon. And then the final thing that one of the doctors said was, DeMar is moving his hands and his feet at this moment. The best outcome for him is to return to who he was before this happened. So they're not ruling out a possible return to the football field, which going back to Monday night, you would think that, oh my gosh, even if he makes this out, makes it out of this. I mean, granted, they're going to have to run a ton of tests on this guy and a ton of things are going to have to happen. And he's going to have to pass so many things before they ever throw him out on a field again because they can't risk a liability of something crazy happening and just, you know, him getting injured again and him suffering some sort of heart failure because they'll be up for a uh, a major lawsuit. But that's about as good as news as you can hear about this situation. Everything is going well. I know that T. Higgins, the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver, was distraught over the whole thing. And really, he did nothing wrong. He caught the ball and he ran. And he happened to run into a guy, you know. But he has that guilt. But apparently, the mother of DeMar spoke with T. And basically said, don't worry. Um, The doctors have all addressed the Buffalo Bills as a team. And given them, not a, you know, the go-ahead, but basically said... I, I, you know, I don't want to paraphrase for them, but the Bills are playing on Sunday, and I don't think they would be playing if there was any sort of remote possibility that DeMar's life was still hanging in the balance. I do think he's going to pull through from this based on everything I've read and what the doctors said yesterday. You really, it, it's just, it's incredible. The whole thing is just absolutely incredible. It's incredible, and I've said this the other day, and I'll say it again, it's incredible that this has never happened before. You know, I mean, baseball is not as much of a contact sport, obviously. Basketball, not as much. But in football, how many times do we see players running into each other and, you know, helmet-to-helmet collisions and, you know, people getting hit in the chest and all that stuff? And it is kind of amazing to think that, you know, we've seen those horrible, gruesome injuries of guys' legs getting put on backwards and their foot going one way and, going the way it's not supposed to and all this stuff. When that stuff happens in the NFL, play is stopped. They're putting an air cast and they're carted off the field and the game continues. Like, yeah, it sucks. My teammate is down, but the game goes on. And whether it's even, even in concussions, when they're strapped to a board and brought out on, you know, ambulance comes out on the field or whatnot, they are taken off the field. Game continues. We've just never seen anything like this where when the player was taken off the field, nobody 
on the field, and nobody in the stands knew if this player was going to come out alive. The other ones, you pretty much assume they're going to live, they're just going to have an injury or a brain injury and you know could be more serious, could lead to paralyzation. We have seen that a couple times in the NFL. But what happened on Monday, no, that, that was just unheard of. So for that to happen, that's why I think it's not a big deal that some people might get a home game taken away from them. You know, it's like you only get it taken away because of this extenuating circumstance. I think they can leave with, live with that for one year. And like I said, if you're going to the sports side of this, the football side of it, the breakdown of it, hey, Chiefs fans, <laughs> you haven't played well against Buffalo the last two years in the playoffs, so maybe you need to get the hell out of Arrowhead and play them on a neutral field. Maybe you'll play better. I don't know. And we don't know where this neutral field is. Let's say it's Kansas City and Buffalo. They're probably going to find a place that's equidistant from both cities. I don't know where that is. Just thinking in the top of my head, Kansas City, upstate New York, maybe somewhere in Ohio. I don't. <laughs> is that would that be kind of equidistant? Ohio, maybe. I don't know. It would be an NFL stadium. They're not putting it in a college stadium, so. Maybe there, um, now if it's Kansas City and Cincinnati, it's obviously closer to each other. I don't know what an equidistant um, stadium would be for that. Would maybe like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to take a guess. I'm not, even, not the greatest at geography. I know where states are. I do, but <laughs> I don't want to take a guess and embarrass myself here. So, but yeah, that's that's what we're looking at and... Like I said, I, I think that's I'm perfectly fine with that. I wanted to end on a little NBA today, and only because I've basically been all football intensive these first five podcasts this week, which is probably going to be the case for most of January and up to the Super Bowl, because that's the biggest thing on everyone's mind. So I do want to end uh, with this in the NBA. Here's the thing. Here's, I guess, if you want to take an early season glimpse. I don't even say early season. We're almost halfway through the NBA season right now. I mean, some teams have played 38, 39 games, and 41 is the halfway point. I'll say this. There's no dominant team. I mean, you look at the standings. In the Eastern Conference, you've got two and a half games separating the first seed and the fifth seed. And in the Western Conference, you've got three ga- four and a half games setting, uh, separating the first seed and the sixth seed. So there's so much going on. There's no dominant teams. The team with the least amount of losses in the NBA is Boston. They're 27-12 and 12 after beating Dallas last night, hammering Dallas last night. I sold my tickets before the game, by the way. Got a good uh, value on that, but good profit. But um, they're the only team in the league with 12 losses. And then you've got one, two, three, four teams with 13 losses. So... <laughs> I mean, there's nobody sitting there at, you know, 31 and nine or something ridiculous. It's everybody's just kind of bunched up. And again, when the playoffs start the NBA this year, flip a coin. I mean, you really, you just don't know. I mean, here are the Golden State Warriors, the defending NBA champions sitting in the ninth seed at 20 and 19. And they're 17 and three at home and three and 16 on the road. I mean, the by far the biggest discrepancy in all of the NBA. They only have three road wins. They have the worst road record in all of the NBA. Yet they're the ninth seed in the Western Conference. That's because they're 17-3 and at home. So, But three road wins. The second worst team with road wins is Houston. They're 4-16. and The Hornets are 5-15. and 
Orlando's four and thirteen. But yeah, fewest wins in the NBA on the road this year. The Golden State Warriors. I don't know why they can't win on the road. It's pretty embarrassing, and a lot of the road games get blown out. Steph is supposed to be coming back for them um, next week. Next Friday is the plan, apparently, that Steph Curry gets back into the lineup. I don't think Golden State is going to be the nine seed by the end of the year. My guess is they'll probably be the five or the six, but you can't treat them as a five or six seed because they'll be the defending champions. And assuming everybody is healthy, they will probably still be the team to beat. Now, I think Memphis could beat them in a seven-game series, and I think Denver could. That's about it. I don't think anyone else in the West could beat them in a seven-game series. So we'll see how that plays out. But right now, the NBA, through almost halfway through the season, nobody's jumping out as running away from this thing, and no team is dominant at all. Boston jumped out to a great start, but now they're 6-7 and seven in their last 13 games. So you're like, whoa, what happened to them? Because they had jumped out to a... 20 and 5 start? Yeah, they were 20 and 5 and now they're 27 and 12. Uh they're 20, 21 and 5 and now they're 27 and 12. So, who knows? Uh and then like I said, and NFL this weekend, the biggest stories are what's going to happen with Buffalo and KC and Cincinnati and Baltimore. Those are the two biggest games. We pretty much know everything else. The Cowboys, unless Philly gets upset by the Giants, I haven't dis- I haven't heard what the Giants plan on doing, but I can't imagine they're playing their starters for four quarters. It makes no sense. I know you want to keep some rhythm heading into the playoffs, but you know this is the Giants' first time in the playoffs in, I think, four or five years. You don't take a chance of getting anybody injured in the last game of the year where nothing matters. You can't move up to the five seed, and you can't drop to the seven seed. You are locked in at six, and you're probably playing Minnesota, a team you went to the final buzzer with two weeks ago and you lost on a 60 something yard field goal. So I think the giants maybe will play, you know, play their starters for a quarter just to keep them a little bit fresh. You don't have to sit them a whole game. Maybe they play them for a half, but zero chance they play them for a full four quarters. It it just wouldn't make any sense. Um, So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for the Kansas city Buffalo thing. See if they both win and then, kind of take it from there. We'll go over it all Monday. It'll make a lot more sense on Monday because we'll have our definite endings to, okay, if this happens in the playoffs, here's where the game's going to be played and stuff like that. So anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcast as we get this thing started. Obviously, ratings and reviews certainly help the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed week number one because we're going to be keeping this thing going till who knows, the end of time. Well, maybe not that long, but we're going to be doing it. I'm not I'm not going to stop it for any reason. Like I said, I want to do about two or three weeks, and then probably every Friday podcast, I'm going to bring on a friend or somebody in the sports media, somebody either that I know or somebody that I just reach out to who I follow and have been a fan of and just be like, hey, would you like to come on and talk some sports for 20, 25 minutes? So we're going to do that in the future. I don't know when that will start on Fridays, but that will always be hopefully a Friday staple coming up, uh, maybe after a month of shows or something like that. So thank you all again for listening. Enjoy your week 18 NFL weekend. Enjoy. Oh, if you, uh, North Dakota or South Dakota fans are invading Frisco, Texas, where I'm at right now, I see all your green sweaters out and about (laughs) good luck, uh, for the big game, uh, tomorrow that, um, I'm sure is going to play a, I mean, North Dakota state just dominates that bowl nine and oh, and, um, They're here for a a 10th time. They haven't lost when they've made the championship here. So 
I see you, North Dakota State Bison. Yes, I'm very well aware the name is Bison. Um, I see you all around town the last couple days. I wave to you. You don't know who I am, but I'm waving to you. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to that game too. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you on Monday. And don't ever forget, remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.